On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would, have, would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Okay, well, here's a trivia question that you sometimes get at trivia quizzes. And after this morning's reading, you should know the answer to it. What is the shortest uh, sorry, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Ah, oh, Debbie knows. John 11:35, Jesus wept. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not just preaching on verse 35, which might mean I'd give you the shortest sermon. But unfortunately, we're preaching on the whole of uh, John 11, but there is a question here. Why did Jesus weep? And why did John record that in this story. It is a bit unusual when you think about it. Jesus is the ruler of the universe, come to live on earth. He knows that Lazarus is going to be risen in a matter of minutes. Why does he weep at Lazarus's graveside? There's a few things in this uh, passage that are puzzling. Jesus always does some things that make us think, and that's one of them in this morning's uh, passage. Before we look at it, though, we need to set the scene a little bit with a couple of features of John's Gospel. First of all, we know that in John's Gospel, John sees the miracles, not just as miracles, but as signs. John thinks that the miracles tell us something about Jesus and who he was. And the miracles in John seem to come in pairs, which bracket a a section of teaching about Jesus. And this miracle of Jesus healing Lazarus is probably the most amazing miracle uh, in the pages of the New Testament. And it starts a new section of John. This section of John finishes with another miraculous event in chapter 20, 
which is Jesus' own resurrection. So what we've got is a section of John that starts with the resurrection of Lazarus, an amazing sign, and finishes with the most amazing sign, the resurrection of Jesus himself. Secondly, throughout the book of John, there are a number of statements that Jesus makes about himself, which are called the I am statements. This has an Old Testament background because when Moses asked God to reveal his name back in Exodus, um, God answered, I am, or you could say, I am what I am. In other words, God is a self-existent person. He just is. So when Jewish people heard that term, I am, they straight away thought about God. And Jesus uses this. So far we've had, I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the light of life. But now we get, I am the life. Not the bread of life, the water of life, the light of life, but I am the life. This is very significant. So we have these two sort of strands that are running through John's Gospel coming together here to tell us what this passage is going to be about. Both of these tell us that this passage is going to be about the resurrection and the life in Jesus. The sign is about resurrection and life. The I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life, is going to be about resurrection and life. So that's what we're expecting when we read this passage. So Jesus had a friend, um, and his friend was Lazarus. He was the brother of Mary and Martha, who were also Jesus' friends. We don't hear much about Jesus' friends. Jesus must have had many friends uh, that we don't know about. But these three were particular friends of Jesus, and Lazarus was sick. So Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, telling him that his friend Lazarus was sick, and they were obviously expecting that Jesus would do something about it. And this is what the passage says in verse 4. It says, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Hang on a minute. I must have read that wrong because it says, I I thought what I read said, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, no, it does say that, he stayed there for two more days. So Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't go there straight away, he didn't jump up straight away and rush to uh, meet them, but he says, stayed where he was for two more days. This is a little bit unusual. It sounds a bit callous of Jesus, actually. Why does he delay? Why does he stay? John makes it clear that the reason he didn't go was because he loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And also because he wanted to teach the disciples something. This seems strange to us. Jesus tells the disciples that Lazarus is asleep. He clearly means that he's died, but the the disciples, as often, are a little bit slow to catch on, and they just think that Lazarus is asleep. And they actually think this is good. Well, he must be getting better if he's dropped off to sleep. But Jesus then tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, it's clear that Mary and Martha already believed in Jesus, and so did the disciples. So why does Jesus say, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe? Obviously, this passage, this story, this event is going to teach them something extremely important, something which is going to move them on in their faith. They already believe, but they don't believe enough about Jesus. It's going to move them from a theoretical belief in Jesus through to a personal belief in Jesus, and that's extremely important. It was worth delaying going to Lazarus. That's why Jesus delayed, because he knew how important this lesson was going to be. Jesus says that this sickness of Lazarus is going to glorify God and his son, Jesus, who is himself, of course. In John's Gospel, we find that glorifying God is not so much about praising God for amazing things that he does, but about praising God for the amazing things he reveals about himself. Glory in John is more about what is revealed about God than it is about the amazing events that occur. We're not supposed to be amazed in this passage about the miracle itself, although that is amazing. What we're supposed to be amazed about is what it reveals about God and his son Jesus. It's what this miracle reveals, it's the sign that's important, as important as the miracle itself obviously is. In this story, Mary and Martha and the disciples find out why Lazarus dies. They find out that he dies so that they can learn and so that Jesus can be resurrected and to bring glory to God and to Jesus. In our lives, tragic things happen. People do die, we've seen that in our own church. Other tragedies happen. We don't always have this privilege of knowing why these things happen, we just know that they do happen. Lazarus didn't die because Jesus made him die, he died because there is sickness and uh, sin in the world. In this case, however, we found out why God allowed that to occur. In our lives, we don't always have that luxury. But what we do know from Romans chapter 8 is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A friend of mine uh, was in his early 20s, a guy called Dave, and uh, one night, tragically, his best friend died in his sleep. They think maybe he had some undiagnosed asthma, or something like that, and he was on a Christian camp as a leader, and he died. Next morning they found him. This was Dave's uh, best friend. Within 18 months of that event, uh, my friend's brother had died tragically in a car accident, a total accident where his car was hit by a truck. Um, He left behind uh, children and a wife, um, and this was Dave's brother. At the end of that 18 months, Dave had been married for just under a year. He was returning home to country New South Wales just with his young wife to celebrate his first wedding anniversary. And his, uh, they had a car accident and his wife died in that accident. Within 18 months, in his early 20s, he experienced that uh, tremendous tragedy. 
Dave was uh, more than devastated, I would say. But he kept a faith that although he didn't know why these events were happening in his life, he knew that God would work all things for good for those who love him, including himself. He kept that faith. He still doesn't know why those things happen. He still doesn't know. It's not as if some, you know, revelation came to him saying, well, that's why these three people died. He doesn't know why that happened in that particular way. But he does know that God loved him, loves him, and all things work together for good for those who love God. Dave, uh, things don't always work out this way, but for Dave, things did work out in a sort of a way. He met a lovely Christian lady and married her. He now has five children um, and he's a Presbyterian minister. Um, He's had an amazing ministry and will continue to have an amazing ministry because he could hang on to that fact that even though things were going wrong in his life, um, God still loved him and was going to work his life for his good. Mary and Martha are like that. They don't know why Lazarus has died. Jesus comes, they don't know why Jesus delayed, but they still have faith in Jesus. They still say, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died, but I know still now that whatever you ask God, he will grant you. After two days, um, Jesus does decide to go back to Judea, to Bethany, um, and he tells the disciples, let's go back to Judea. They think he's mad. They say, a short while ago, Jesus, they tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. They thought Jesus was taking a big risk, but Jesus knew better. This is what he said to them. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus knew that he was going to his death. The disciples knew that he was possibly going to his death if he returned to Bethany, which was right near Jerusalem. But he also knew that God's time was more important than man's time. He knew that he would have the time to complete his ministry because God was in control. He also knew, however, that the night would come. So what he was saying to his disciples was, I'm not taking a risk. Everything will happen in its correct time. We will return to Jerusalem. I'll be able to complete my ministry, but then the night will come. I will die. Thomas, who's often identified as doubting Thomas because of what he does later in this gospel, could perhaps be called courageous Thomas because although he doesn't quite understand what Jesus is talking about, Thomas's response is not doubt, but let us also go that we may die with him. What a courageous guy. He was prepared to follow Jesus to his death. Perhaps we've um, misjudged Thomas a little in calling him Doubting Thomas. He was obviously a man of great faith, but someone who wanted to check out that faith and make sure that it was reasonable. Jesus arrives in Bethany, and when he arrives there, he's confronted with the whole scene. There's lots of friends who've come up from Jerusalem, two miles away, which was normal in those days. Someone died, everybody came and mourned. It still happens in some other cultures around the world. 
There would have been professional mourners there. People were obliged to pay mourners to come and wail outside the house. And this is what they did. Um, it's fairly clear from the Gospels that Mary, Martha and Lazarus were quite well off and they would have had at least a few professional wailers there helping them to mourn. And this is what Jesus found, even after four days, that this was still going on. Mary and Martha are disappointed, but as we said before, um, that Jesus didn't turn up earlier, but as I said before, they still show belief and faith in Jesus and uh, believe that uh, Jesus can still ask God for what he wants. When Jesus meets Martha, and this is in line with our other information about Mary and Martha, where Martha seemed to be the active one who went out and did things and Mary stayed at home, and Martha goes out to meet Jesus, and Jesus says to her what must have sounded at the time pretty much like a platitude. He says to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha's response is one that the Pharisees could have given, that many Jewish people could have given who believed in the resurrection of the dead. She said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus' response to Martha, I would say, is the key to this chapter. But it's not only the key to this chapter, it's the key to our lives. Jesus' response isn't, yeah, that's right, he's going to rise in the last day. He says... I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the key to this chapter and it's also the key to our lives. This is a clear statement, first of all, that Jesus is God because Jewish people knew that only God could resurrect the dead and we know that too. Secondly, as we said before, it's this great I am statement. And Martha's reply shows that she gets it. Because she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus is God's Son. He is the only one who can give us life. But what does this mean for us? Belief in the resurrection, you see, must be linked with Jesus. It's no good just believing in an afterlife. It's no good just thinking, yes, our spirits will carry on after we die. It's no good just believing that good people will go to heaven. Plenty of people believe that. The Pharisees believe that. Um, And plenty of people today believe that kind of thing. But if that is not linked with a personal faith in Jesus, it's useless. Because Jesus doesn't just teach us about life, he doesn't just even give us life, Jesus is life. And if we're not linked to him, we don't have that life. Uh, we are not, if we are not in a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship, then we're cut off from life. If we do believe in him, if we do have a relationship with Jesus, he says here we get two things, the, the resurrection and the life. The resurrection in the future, we will live forever even though we will die physically. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. After we die, if we are in Christ, we will be resurrected Um, to eternal life. 
Not only that though, Jesus is not just the resurrection, he's also the life. We will also get life here and now. Because Jesus goes on to say, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So in a sense, even though Jesus knows that we're going to die physically, because he says it right in that same verse, in one sense we will never die, because our eternal life doesn't start when we're resurrected in heaven, it starts right now when we're related to Jesus. We get a new life in Jesus as soon as we believe in him. So there's two mistakes that we can make. We can believe in eternal life without linking it to Jesus. There is no eternal life outside of Jesus. We can believe in eternal life in heaven without realising that we have that eternal life now. So there's two mistakes. We can think that eternal life exists but that it's not linked with Jesus and we can believe in our eternal life in heaven and not believe we've got it now. We've got it both. We've got resurrection later and we've got life in Jesus now. So if this is all true, why did Jesus weep? After Jesus saw Mary... Um, and saw the other people weeping. This is what it says. Um, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. This is not quite what it seems. The weeping that was going on, the, the weeping of grief without hope, was described by John as weeping and wailing. This is a different word that is used when when Jesus wept. It's a quiet weeping. It's tears, but it's not that those tears of wailing grief that the other people were showing. And secondly, when it says he, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, that's not easy to translate into English. What it means more is that he was angry, he was indignant, he was outraged. Not so much troubled with sadness, but angry, indignant, outraged by what he saw. And he wept. The observers were right. Jesus did love Lazarus, and that's why he wept. Jesus saw the results of sickness and death. He saw how it wreaked havoc in the lives of Mary and Martha and in the Jewish people around. He knew that death is the biggest problem that faces humankind. Jesus had come to earth for that very reason, to defeat death. And here he was confronted very personally with his own good friends who he loved with that evidence of the effect of death on us and on his friends and on the world. He was angry at that. He was indignant that death should have this power over people. And he grieved at the loss and the separation that it caused from loved ones. Jesus wept, even though he knew that Lazarus would rise again in a few minutes and he would live forever. We also should grieve when people we know die. Some Christians claim that because we believe in the resurrection, it's inappropriate for Christians to grieve. In fact, I know someone who was told by a well-meaning Christian friend that they should be praising God when their Christian friends died. In fact, my friend Dave was told that by a well-meaning Christian friend, that he shouldn't be sad after his wife, his brother and his best friend died, but that he should be praising God. Now, Dave was praising God in a sort of a way. 
He was keeping faith in God, but he wasn't um, praising in the way that his friend thought he should. And that was one of the most hurtful things that he, that my friend Dave had ever experienced. Jesus cried at the tomb of his friends when his friend was about to be resurrected. How much more appropriate is it for us to grieve, even though we know that our friends in Christ will be resurrected and do have eternal life? Jesus was outraged by um, the effect of death and uh, on the ones he loved, and it's appropriate for us to be the same. The people's response nearby was kind of twofold. They said, look how much he loved Lazarus, but they also say, said, why didn't he do anything to stop Lazarus from dying? And it was a fair enough question. But Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he said, take the stone away. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And remember, the glory of God in John's gospel is not so much the miracle which is about to occur, which is the glory of God, but it's more what is going to be revealed about Jesus. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Um, We saw that in the cartoon. It was quite well done. What an amazing scene. Jesus' voice, his word of power, if you like, calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He gets up in his grave clothes and he stumbles out and they have to take the grave clothes off him. It's just amazing. We're not really told um, how joyous Mary and Martha were. We're not really told what Lazarus said to them. There's lots of stuff we'd like to know. What was Lazarus doing for those four days? Was he just asleep? We don't know any of that stuff. How did he feel? How did Lazarus die later on when his life was over? We don't know any of that because the important thing is what it reveals about Jesus. Here we see that Jesus has the power to give life. He doesn't just say, I am the resurrection and the life. He proves it. Jesus overcomes death by his powerful word and he gives life to Lazarus right then and there. So how do the people respond? Well, like often in John's Gospel, many believe and their faith is deepened by what Jesus does. But some... Um, plot his death. They go and tell the Pharisees what's happened. The Pharisees don't try to deny what's happened. They don't say, oh, the guy's a fraud. It's clear to them that Jesus is performing amazing miracles. But they go to the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish council, and um, they don't see the significance of those miracles. They're too caught up with their own problems to look at Jesus and what it shows about him. They thought that in the end, if Jesus attracted too much attention from the Romans, that their power would be um, ended, that the Romans would intercede and destroy the temple. This happened anyway, 70 years later, but it wasn't due to Jesus. Um, 
In the midst of all this, the high priest Caiaphas makes an amazing statement. You could say this is a stunning act of political cynicism. He says, you know nothing at all. You do not realise that it is better for you that one man dies than for the, pe- for, for the people than that the whole nation perishes. He was willing to sacrifice one person who he saw as a troublemaker for the people. Um, a cynical act where the end justified the means. So the Sanhedrin went on to make plans to kill Jesus. This was the beginning of the end for Jesus' ministry. And all they were doing from here on was looking for an excuse to, to have a trial and to kill him. The decision had already been made. The irony is, as John points out, that Caiaphas was unknowingly making a prophecy and he was unknowingly identifying God's plan to save his people. For one man, that is Jesus, was going to die so that all of God's people could live. The raising of Lazarus was the beginning of the end of Jesus' life. It revealed the glory of God, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, who he was and why he came. It also provoked the greater miracle and revelation of God's glory, the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is where Jesus was going to die so that the people could be saved. Lazarus's resurrection reveals that we can have eternal life and have it now. Jesus' death and resurrection reveals an even greater message, that Jesus has defeated death forever on the cross. So now we're in the position of Martha, really, aren't we? How are we going to respond? Do we believe what this story reveals? Maybe you think um, the life you have now is all there is. Jesus reveals that that's not true. There's much more to this life and there's eternal life to come. Maybe you have a general belief in an afterlife, but you haven't linked it with a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus says that that's not sufficient. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We each need to have a relationship with him if we want an abundant life now and an eternal life in the future.